everybody. Welcome back to the We Stay Wild podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Ladewig, and today is episode three. Before I tell you what topic we're going to be talking about, I want to address my voice. So I had taken off a week because I had lost my voice and also because I was spending some time with family and friends, which is very important for your mental health. But I figured within that week, I would gain my voice back and be a lot more comfortable, you know, talking normally. But that hasn't happened and it's slowly coming back day by day. So my apologies to you all for this episode, but I'm going to sound a little raspy. But yeah, let's get started. So today's topic is a biology topic. How exciting, at least for me it is. So I want to talk about something that I don't think many people know about unless you're actually in the science world or biology conservation realm. That actually is invasive species. So what exactly are invasive species? Are we talking about aliens that come down from the sky and invade us? No, that's very close, but... Invasive species are any organisms, animal, plants, insects that are not native to a certain region, but they get introduced by some means and they end up taking over, causing a lot of economic and environmental harm. A very simplified and not even relating way I could explain invasive species is essentially, you know whenever you forget to wash your face that one time or... Something happens and you just sweat a little too much and you have one little pesky pimple pop up. Well, if you leave it unchecked, maybe it'll go away if you're lucky. If you are, wow. If you're like me, if I leave it, others will continue to form and grow and just take over my face or my arm or wherever these pimples are growing. And essentially, they are invasive species. They have come to a place where they are not native. Technically, pimples are native to your skin, but they are not welcome. And they have taken over. And they are outdoing my skin and really just running the native oils off. And anyways, the point is, this is what invasive species do to environments. They come in, they invade, they take over, and they really just disrupt the natural balance of things and ways that these native organisms live. There are a multitude of ways that invasive species can be spread, but of course the number one way is typically unintentionally by humans. People are very travel oriented, so wherever we go also introduces a way that another organism could go with us. A very common way aquatic organisms can get to a new ecosystem and a new area is actually to be transported in the ballast of a ship. For some of y'all that don't know what a ballast is, it is a huge water tank inside of the ship or vessel or boat that is used to intake water to balance out the weight that is actually on that vessel at that moment. So when they take in water from one place, they have an opportunity to bring in organisms, uh, phytoplankton or small swimming species or even bottom dwelling organisms that can go into the ballast of the ship. And if it travels a significant amount of ways away from where those initial organisms are from, they could be introduced into a new community where they could possibly thrive and take over and be a threat to the native species already there. Although this is unintentional because 
who knows what's going to be coming in and out of the ballast at the time. It is probably one of the most talked about and most popular ways that marine species can be transported and thus called invasive to an aquatic ecosystem. Another way that invasive species can be spread that is typically not the result of humans is by the blowing of wind, rainfall, or even animals carrying spores or seeds or any type of plant matter that gets deposited elsewhere. Funny quick story for you all. I have this ginormous palm tree that is outside of my bedroom window and my family and I, we have no idea where it came from. One day it just started sprouting out of the ground, but now I am looking out the window and I cannot even see the leaves. It's not an invasive species because it hasn't taken over. It's actually really helped us hide our water meter and increase the natural aesthetic of our house. But we have a theory that it actually was transported by a bird via their scat, or others may call it poop. So birds can actually eat seeds, and a lot of seeds don't digest or break down in a bird's stomach. They simply get excreted through natural processes, and wherever the excrement goes is wherever that seed goes as well. By chance it lands in soil or with water around it, ample sunlight, and voila! the seed does what it's supposed to do. It sprouts and it grows and that is a prime example of how seeds can be spread so easily because you know birds just fly and poop wherever they want so who knows where they could be taking these plants. So now that I've covered the main topics as to how invasive species get around, I want to talk about why we should even care about this as a human race. Like, who cares if one species moves from one side of the world to the other and ends up wiping out a whole different species? Well, I'll list some reasons as to why we should. The first thing I'm going to talk about is that many invasive species present a huge loss of habitat or they alter that existing habitat. To explain this, I'm going to take you back to one of my most favorite places ever. I've kind of briefly talked about this in my prior podcast, but I'm taking you back to Cape Town, South Africa, where I had an internship. But there they have what is called fine boss. Fine boss directly translated means fine bush in Afrikaans. There are over several thousand different types of fine boss, but there are about 100 different plants that grow only on the Cape Peninsula, meaning they are endemic or only found in South Africa. The Feinbos biome is one of the richest area of flora. To give you an idea of this, Table Mountain itself has more plant species than all of the United Kingdom combined. The reason Feinbos is so important is because they grow in sandy and windy areas where other plants can't survive. Because Feinbos thrives in such a harsh environment, it is typically smaller, meaning it's a lot less nutrient dense, meaning it doesn't require so much water. So the main invasive species in South Africa are pine trees from North America and Hakia and Acacia species from Australia. These are much more nutrient dense trees and plants that require so much water. So if you know a little bit about South Africa, you know they are typically in a drought most of the year and they have a shortage of water almost all the time. And whenever I was there, our showers were limited to two minutes and whenever you would wash the dishes, you would fill up one side of the sink and that's all the water you got to do all the dishes you had. So the drought problem there is real. Now if you take that back to the invasive species, which were probably put there for ornamental reasons, meaning they look pretty. 
They are sitting there soaking up a lot of the groundwater and runoff that is typically taken and used for everyday purposes by humans. So the introduction of these invasive species not only alters the existing habitat and the fine boss that are endemic to South Africa, but they're also hurting the people and the amount of water they receive yearly. The second reason why we should care about invasive species is that they kill endemic species by eating them or outcompeting them for resources. Now, I did kind of touch on this a little bit with example number one, but I want to give a whole new example to show how prevalent invasive species are in today's society. For this example, I shall take you all to another favorite place of mine, and that is New Zealand. Oh my gosh, New Zealand is literally a conservationist heaven. What they do to protect their native species and their country is unbelievable. I love how conscious they are and the links they're willing to go to to protect the earth. It is so phenomenal. So although New Zealand is spectacular and very aware on all conservation topics, they too still have invasive species and some of their biggest problems are actually mammalian pests. This includes possums, hedgehogs, and rats. And you wouldn't think that these little tiny creatures would pose such a big problem, but they eat native grassland and browse on sensitive forest vegetation. This inhibits the new growth of seedlings and thus damages a whole entire ecosystem because the native trees can't grow, which many indigenous animals rely on for food, safety, and a habitat. Not only do these mammalian pests eat down the forest and create havoc for those ecosystems, but they also take up valuable habitat for other endemic species. New Zealand is known for their kiwi, and I'm not talking about the fruit. A kiwi is a type of bird. It is shaped like a little upside down light bulb. It is so cute and fluffy and has an extremely long beak specifically designed for digging and eating. The kiwi is endemic to New Zealand and has been able to last there for so long because it doesn't have any true huge predators or any competition. Not only is this such a huge creature because it's only known to New Zealand, but also because it's a very primitive creature, meaning that it hasn't evolved much over time, so it's been able to stay in almost the exact same form as whenever it first became a species. This shows you how they are truly adapted to the New Zealand environment and how they thrive there. Because of the introduction of these mammalian pests to New Zealand, a lot of kiwi chicklings don't make it past the first year due to loss of habitat and resources. Crazy, isn't it? Now, New Zealand has a lot of initiatives going on right now to try and stop these mammalian pests from expanding and taking over, and that includes setting out traps, actually. I have a picture on my Instagram and also on my website, WeStayWild.com, of these traps, but they'll place them out in the wild and they will be monitored on a weekly, monthly basis in attempt to catch those invasive species and eradicate them from the island. Or in other words, to boot them off the island. <laughs> Another fantastic example of an invasive species from New Zealand that I'm going to give is actually a pathogen. Weird, right? So this pathogen is called the cowrie dieback, and it is a disease that kills cowrie trees. The spores of this pathogen live in soil and are typically transported by animals or humans. One of the things I thought was really funny whenever I 
got to New Zealand was that I was pulled aside at security trying to enter into New Zealand because they wanted me to take my hiking boots out and then wanted to inspect them and clean them. And I was like, what in the world? Why would one tiny rock from North America matter if it came into New Zealand? And then I was educated on the topic and how different diseases and pathogens can be carried through your shoes. So the soil from North America or wherever I was last hiking could possibly contaminate New Zealand and bring a whole entire species of plant to extinction. Like, oh my goodness, who even thought of these things? But I wish I had taken a picture of these shoe scrubbing stations, but they have them all over New Zealand, especially on certain trails where cowrie dieback pathogen is found a lot. And so they'll put little spray bottles out of disinfectant and you'll spray your shoes and then you'll scrub them and then you'll proceed to go on your walk. And I thought this was spectacular that they had places everywhere and a place that my sister and I visited is actually Rangitoto Volcano, which is right off the coast of Auckland. It is the youngest volcano that they have at the moment, and it's 600 years old. Wow, so young. But on that island, they don't have any pests, nor do they have any cowrie dieback, and it's phenomenal the links they go to to keep it that way. And I also have some photos that I took while I was there. Those will be available on my Instagram and website as well, just to kind of show you the precautions they take and how serious it is over there to really control the invasive species and also to preserve what they have. The third reason as to why we should care about invasive species is that they can have gigantic economic costs for humans. Crazy, right? We unintentionally gave ourselves many economic burdens by lack of knowledge on the transport of species and where they should and should not belong. So my example for this is actually the problem of mollusk and the U.S. Mollusks have been a huge problem in the Great Lakes ecosystem for a while now, and they are a prime example of how ballast water is what transports these invasives to a new ecosystem. So before the Great Lakes had invasive mussels, they had their native clams and bivalves that lived there. But whenever species such as the zebra mussel or the quagga mussel got introduced to the Great Lakes, they quickly took over. The invasive species that is most widely known in the Great Lakes is the zebra mussel. So zebra mussels can range from the size of a fingernail to about two inches long. They can actually attach onto native mussels and clams and slow moving species and colonize them to where those mussels or clams cannot actually open to even eat. Along with this, they can clog up boat motors or waterways and pathways that are essential for businesses to run. So not only do these little tiny things cause a lot of damage to native species and I didn't even touch on the food web and how they disrupt that, but these zebra mussels can also pose as a huge economic problem because they either have to be removed or they will grow and grow until everything is clogged up and everything is hardened over, ruining our native species and also our everyday lives from jobs to just us recreationally going out on boats. These are just three reasons as to why we should even care about invasive species. I didn't even list but maybe four invasive species and there are millions of them on the earth. Now they are of course native to a certain region but they should stay in that region and 
I'm just going to go ahead and list a couple more quick ones just so you can get a grasp on the idea of how prevalent they are and where they could even be found. So another huge one in the United States is actually Burmese pythons. They are found in the Everglades in Florida and they weren't initially there. There are many initiatives that people go out and find Burmese pythons and capture them and relocate them, but they were actually pets in the first place. People would buy these Burmese pythons and after a year of having them, they don't realize how large they can get. They require an enclosure and so much food. So they just release them into the wild. And of course, in the Everglades where it's swampy and there's a lot of prey, they thrived. So there is a countless number of Burmese pythons, you know, just hanging out in Florida because some people just decided to release their animals. Another example is that the Spaniards used to fill their ballast of their ships with soil instead of water, and this soil contained fire ants, which once they stopped at various ports to deposit whatever cargo they had, they also deposited fire ants. So, gracias España por las hormigas de fuego. There is also a surplus of lionfish in the Caribbean, where they come from, who knows, but somehow they are there and they're taking over native fish and populations and really just hurting the ecosystem there. The expansion of our world and trade is phenomenal for people and for our economy, but it also has detrimental effects as we have seen. So that is why it is important to know if a species is invasive in a certain region. While us simple humans here in our everyday lives don't typically tote around our ballast ship waters and uh, spill them everywhere, there are still a few ways we can help and I'm going to share a few. So the first thing you can do is very, very, very simple. It is to simply not release your pets or animals or plants into the wild once you are done with them. If anything, it would be best for you to sell them back to the pet store in which you bought them from or to lend them to a friend or anything but release them into the wild because although the odds are low, there's still a possibility that whatever you have could be an invasive plant or animal and completely disrupt an ecosystem right around your neighborhood. The second thing you can do that is fairly easy is to actually educate people on the topic of invasive species. The more people know about it, the less likely they're actually to participate in the transport or the movement of any wildlife or invasive. And there are actually a lot of laws out that are helping with the illegal trade or movement of certain wildlife. And also now you have to decontaminate your ballast water before you can release it anywhere. So that's pretty freaking awesome. The third thing you can do that might not seem like much but could actually be helping the environment tremendously is to actually check your shoes like I mentioned earlier whenever I went to New Zealand I had to clean them and scrub them and although it might not seem like much it does help my shoes last longer and it does help not to transfer any spores or seeds or bacteria anywhere else I go. And this one actually seems really odd. I've been reading up on some articles and some of them said to actually inspect boxes whenever you get them from different countries. Weird, isn't it? These articles said that certain bugs can be trapped in boxes, specifically more so for artificial Christmas trees. You can have these beetles that come over and can be invasive to the United States. But 
it's specifically advised to check your boxes and make sure there's no creatures that come along with them. I have posted one of those articles down below in the episode notes section just so you can see that it's actually real and I am not crazy. <laughs> well, there are countless ways that you can help the earth and stop the spread of the invasives, but those are the three that I'm going to mention for now. I want to thank everyone who has gotten this far in this podcast and has followed along in my journey so far. I am just loving every single second of this and it means the world to me to have such a supportive group of people behind me. If you learned even the slightest amount of material from this episode, I would love if you were to leave a rating and a review below so curious learners just like you can find my podcast also. So on that note, if you aren't already following us on Instagram or Facebook, follow us at We Stay Wild Official or go ahead and check out WeStayWild.com. We have a blog post on there that follows along with this podcast and just kind of gives pictures and ideas as to what in the world I am even talking about. And if you aren't already following your host, that's me, Shelby Ladwig. Give me a follow on Instagram at Shelby.Ladwig. Once again, thanks to all your beautiful souls. Make sure you don't spread any crazy organisms around. You love yourself, love the earth, and stay wild.